This time last year marked the start of a COVID summer many would rather forget. 12 months on and many in the health sector are burnt out, respiratory diseases are on the rise and the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has COVID for the second time. Coronavirus case numbers have increased 20% in the last two weeks of November and nationally hospitalisations grew by the same amount in that period. And, as if that weren't enough, as we learned yesterday from the Grattan Institute, these pressures are being heaped upon a broken Medicare system. Monique Ryan is the independent federal member for Kuyong. She's also a former director of neurology at Melbourne's Royal Children's Hospital. Monique Ryan, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Nice to be with you. Uh, I'll come to the COVID spike and the Grattan Institute report in a moment. But first, I want to ask you about the wait times reported at your former workplace in the last 24 hours, with parents being asked to reconsider whether they need to go to the Royal Children's Hospital at all rather than a GP. This level of demand being placed on that hospital is unusual for this time of year. Why is it so bad? Yeah, it's a great shame and, and I, I really feel sad to see those reports in the media of, of the challenges that the Royal Children's is facing. Well, it's a combination of things, I think. I mean, obviously you do always have times where you have unexpected surges of uh, patient numbers. Sometimes that's related to um, specific infectious diseases being in the community. But unfortunately we're in a situation where the hospitals are being squeezed from all angles. You know, there are staff members who will be out with COVID. You know, every workplace in Australia has a significant number of people out with COVID at the moment. You've also got a workforce that, which is exhausted and after... ..migrant nurses and doctors. Monique Ryan, I'm so sorry. We have just lost you there. Are you with us? Can you hear me? Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not sure. I'm so there? sorry. We missed no, right. your answer there, but I, I think you were talking about how the workforce is exhausted and And sick. depleted. <laughs> and sick. It's sick and it's depleted. You know, we haven't been able to fill up with uh, migrant doctors and nurses in the last two years. People are unwell and after three years of COVID, I'm sure it's hard to fill shifts and then you've got patients who can't afford to go to the GPs or they can't get in to see a GP. And so, unfortunately, I'm I'm sure people are having to take their children to emergency departments because they can't access local primary health care, which is by far a better option for them. You you have said that some of this might be explained by parents um, not even being able to afford a GP or being unable to get into a GP. Surely GPs should be bulk billing for children at a bare minimum. I'm sure most GPs who can do, but GP numbers are down as well. Some GPs are on. And I do feel that it is time for the government to look at the... Monique Ryan, uh, I'm so sorry to jump in there. The line is pretty sketchy. We're going to try to call you back in just one second. And Monique Ryan is back with us. Uh, Monique Ryan, apologies for that. The government is due to deliver a healthcare update at National Cabinet on Friday, but short of offering more funding, which they're not going to do, what can they do to alleviate the pressure on hospitals right now? Well, the funding split uh, between the hospital, uh, between the federal and state governments is due to expire on the 31st of December of this year. And I think hospitals need more clarity about the ongoing funding subsequent to that date. This is the funding for COVID-19? For hospitals, yeah. So the the funding model has been um, altered to uh, increase support of of the state governments in funding for hospitals, but that the existing agreement 
does expire at the end of this month. But we also need to get back on the front foot with COVID management. I know no one wants to hear this, but it is still with us and it's still affecting a lot of people. And we need to get out with the proactive management strategies that will take the stress off hospitals and off GP practices. So that's it's the basics, really. It's getting back to vaccines and to basic public health measures which will decrease spread of the virus. And on that, infectious disease expert Brendan Crabb from the Burnett Institute says Australia's current approach to the pandemic is effectively pro-infection. Do you agree with that? How, how do you rate the adequacy of the current COVID approach? We've just... We've dismantled most of the public health measures which were controlling COVID over the first two years of the pandemic. You know, it took a lot of sacrifice from people and people worked very hard to do it, but it was effective. We've now taken away all of those barriers and, and we've seen the result of it. There's been a massive uh, number of infections and unfortunately deaths in the last 12 months, which we hadn't seen earlier. And we do need to go back to some of those public health measures, you know, loth though all of us are to do so. And it, it's not it's not that bad in terms of what we need to do. We need to look at things like masking, um, social distancing when we can, masking just in the workplace, not outside. Um, vaccines are so important. We still haven't, after three years, gotten to around to mandating appropriate workplace ventilation strategies. We need to be more aggressive with antivirals and we need to look at the relook at the vaccine protocols that we've got in place because there are groups of people who are crying out for further vaccine doses and who haven't been able to access, access them as yet and we need to review that. On RN Drive, Independent Member for Kuyong, Monique Ryan, is here talking about growing pressures on the health system. Uh, Monique Ryan, this week the Grattan Institute delivered its report into Medicare funding. You've had a lot to say on Medicare funding recently. You are, of course, a medical professional. The Grattan Institute report says Medicare is no longer working for patients or doctors and it suggests a team-based funding care model. Do you agree with that suggestion? Medicare is a fantastic system and we've all benefited from universal funded, free funded healthcare for a long period of time. But, but you know, we've had Medicare since 1983. It's 40 years old and it's no longer fit for purpose. That The model that we have, which is fee for service, you go to the doctor and they get a reimbursement from the government, doesn't suit the, the current illness, illness models, which are chronic or, or preventative. So, I think we do need to look at other models of care that will give doctors incentives for looking after patients and giving them preventative health care rather than just seeing them as needed when they're sick, which is not the best model of care for, for most illnesses. And this so-called team sport approach suggested by the Grattan Institute report of not just doctors, but, you know, nurse, clinicians, uh, you know, allied health, bringing them all into the funding care model. Do you think that's the way forward? What we need to do is to provide best quality care and we have a fantastic health system and we need to do it as cheaply as possible. So if we can do that by outsourcing some forms of care to people who are highly qualified and skilled but not necessarily doctors, it makes perfect sense for us to do that. We'll be able to see more people more efficiently, effectively and cheaply if we outsource some of the things which are currently being covered by GPs who have no capacity to cover everything adequately and we outsource those things to, to other health care professionals. Have you had any, on a, a different topic, any consultation with the government about their proposed urgent care clinics, which was a $150 million election commitment, not well received by the medical profession? Have those plan, plans advanced any further? I'm not sure about that, sir. I haven't had any discussion with them. The issue with that is, you know, in, in theory, those, those clinics could work pretty well. I'm not sure who's going to staff them. 
we have massive you know, staffing shortages across the healthcare system. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where the plans are with those. As far as I know, they're not active as yet. Several election studies have been released this week and I can't let you go without asking about them. Uh, one of these is Labor's <laughs> Review, which revealed tactical votes by Labor supporters uh, where there were high-profile independents, uh, really carried independents to victory. And Teal independents didn't win any seats in the recent Victorian state election. Was the Teal movement a one-off protest against the federal incumbents? Well, I think what, if you look at what's happened with the major parties in the last few elections, both of the major parties have experienced a progressive decrease in their primary vote, which reflects the fact that communities are looking for other options. Obviously, at the last federal election, uh, a number of independents were uh, elected you know, in, in the face of that because we were able to attract the support of our communities for the policies that we put forward. Um, the state elections were a very different issue. I would comment that we've seen across the independent movement at a federal at a federal level previously that often takes one or two elections to get there. So I'm not sure that uh, the results of the state election reflect any um, disenchantment with, with independence so much as the fact that the movement's really just starting at that level. But there's also very much community-based uh, endeavours. Each of the independents who stood at the federal level was came out of a community movement within their own electorate. And so I don't think you can generalise from, from one electorate to another in terms of the outcomes of, of elections. Um, what will happen is that if, if the independents like myself are able to provide what our electorates want, and I think we have done that so far, we've already been very productive in terms of our contributions to the Climate Change Act, Respect at Work Act, uh, the Anti-Corruption Commission and a number of other pieces of legislation at a federal level, then I think our, our electorates will feel that they're getting what they wanted when they voted for us. Monique Ryan, thank you. Thanks, sir. Monique Ryan there, the independent member for Kuyong. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.